From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter here at CQ Roll Call. And we wanted to talk about two things today. First, Jen, was the possibility of the return of spending earmarks. Yeah, this was a really surprising part of our Friday afternoon that I don't think many of us saw coming. Right. And it sounds like how this has been an ongoing conversation among Democrats and certain Republicans ever since House Republicans under former Speaker John Boehner put an earmark ban in place nearly a decade ago. This has been something that appropriators and certain um, non-appropriators have been discussing for years about how lawmakers get a little bit more control over where some of these pots of money go with respect to projects in their districts. And this is something that's always been very important. Lawmakers, even under the earmark ban, really like to tout the money that they're bringing back to their district or back to their states. And so now House Democrats are having a conversation about how they might do that in the fiscal 21 process, which is about to begin but it's all very um, undetermined right yeah. now. It would be a big deal because earmarks have been banned for about 10 years now. Yes. And so, but there has been in, in the last couple of years some talk from lawmakers about being interested in reviving them. Why do you think that is, Jen, after, after 10 years? Because 10 years ago, there was all this concern about corruption. Uh, and we had a few lawmakers go to jail, as I recollect. And so they, they banned earmarks across the board. Why do you think now there's interest in bringing them back? Right. These are not going to be your grandparents' earmarks. This is, from what we understand from House Democrats, this would be um, a very narrow area um, in terms of projects that could be funded by these these earmarks. Or if you're in the new um, branding world, the congressionally directed spending is the the term that they some members prefer to use yeah. because earmarks has such a connotation negative connotation right but so in other words they would come back with supposedly some new safeguards is what they've talked about right this would not be the old earmarks that did lead to certain people going to prison or to allegations of corruption or kind of contributing to um, the narrative that D.C. is a swamp, yeah. so to speak. And so it, it's we're still very, very early in these discussions. But in past discussions, the idea was to limit the projects to local, state, or federal infrastructure projects, for example. You know, if you have a bridge in your district that consistently gets a failing rating and is ready to, you know, just crumble as commuters drive over it. Lawmakers kind of want some additional control in terms of getting federal funding to that project. Right. Of course, even infrastructure was was prone to uh, accusations of, of waste during the old earmarks when we had the bridge to nowhere and that kind of stuff. Right. And also concerns that in order to actually have any sway in terms of which earmarks end up in the final bill, you have to stick around Congress for more than a decade and accrue seniority. And so that it didn't always right. necessarily go to the most needed projects, right. but it really went to just the districts or the states that had senior lawmakers or members of leadership or people who could fundraise really, really well for their political party. And I guess the argument for bringing them back is... Obviously, lawmakers like to control where the money goes, 
and it can help them politically on the campaign trail to tout local projects, right? Right. That section of the Constitution that puts Congress in charge of government spending, one of the things that we've heard from both political parties during the last few years as this conversation about whether or not earmarks should return in some form is that really lawmakers know where these needs are. They know what projects are really important in their districts that that Congress should be in charge of this and not necessarily some formula or some non-elected member of the executive branch. Right, from the bureaucracy. And then I did hear talk last year, I remember, that supporters say this could build broader political support to pass spending bills. If if people have a vested interest in it through an earmark, maybe there would be uh, – you could build a greater political coalition to actually pass bills. You. Does that sound? That has been one of the arguments that we've heard throughout the years on this as the debates go back and forth. But I think it remains to be seen, right? If House Democrats are writing their original batch of appropriations bills the way they did in fiscal 20, where they are very left-leaning bills, I don't really think giving Congressman Mark Meadows or Jim Jordan Conservative Republicans. Yes, conservative uh, Republicans who are members of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, one project in their district is going to get them to vote for, you know, a homeland security bill that severely restricts the funding of immigrations and customs enforcement. Yeah, for that's example. a good point. Right? It's not so clear how, how it's. It's really if you if you're getting into that argument, it's really more about how you sway certain moderates of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party to support bills that are more middle of the road. Right? You're never going to get people from the Progressive Caucus to support a funding bill, you know, that Republicans would write themselves right. if they were to control the House. And I mean, even among Democrats, the politics of this could be tricky, right? I mean, you've got... Extremely tricky during an election year where President Donald Trump, who campaigned on draining the swamp, is up for re-election. This is just, these campaign ads write themselves. Yeah, because you've got Democrats in in maybe Trump-leaning districts or... Oh, yeah. Purple districts, even that, yeah. where the idea of bringing back earmarks, uh, really, not. really challenging. Yeah. So, so we don't know whether how much support there is yet in the Democratic conference for this, right? We don't. But early last year, they sort of, I think, briefly toyed with the idea, and then, and I remember the Appropriations Chairwoman Nita Lowy saying early last year that they weren't going to allow them in in the in the, her spending bills. Yeah, this seems to be a, an ongoing yeah. conversation at the beginning of every appropriations process. Yeah. So it is also going to be interesting to see what Senate Republicans say. Obviously right now they are focused on the impeachment trial, but we do know that there are certain key Republicans in the Senate who are supportive of earmarks or congressionally directed spending and have expressed interest in bringing them back. Previously, and so whether or not there could be some behind-the-scenes coalition building happening right now between key House Democrats and key Senate Republicans, that is going to be the real story. But I, I'm very skeptical that we see any final proposals take place in an election year. Yeah, I am too. And you're right that there are some Republicans who who like this idea of of earmarks, but but the Senate Republicans last year, I looked it up, did vote in their conference for a permanent earmark ban. Yes, so they, they did by a hefty margin, as I recall. So it's not it wasn't exactly close either. So it seems as though Senate Republicans aren't really willing to play ball on this. Yeah, which then creates if House Democrats were to put some form of earmarks in place, but Senate Republicans still have a permanent ban. I mean, this creates a lot happens. of headaches for conferencing these bills. Right. 
Because then be, in, yeah, in final negotiations, do little projects from House Democrats get in or, or do they get stripped out? Right. And we've also heard in the past that from key Democrats that if they are going to bring back earmarks in any form, regardless of how controlled or restricted they might be, that they want to do it in a bipartisan way and they want to have an agreement in place so that the opposite party does not use it as a campaign issue. So we've heard repeatedly that if this earmarks are going to come back, they need to come back in a bipartisan way. And so that's another thing to sort of keep in the back of your mind. Which sounds like another hurdle in the selection year to reach reach a new agreement on that right now. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we will keep an eye on this earmarks discussion as it goes forward. Um, and then, but also this week, we have something else to talk about that's important because lawmakers are going to get an updated budget forecast from the Congressional Budget Office, which is the official scorekeeper of all things budget on the Hill. It's one of my favorite points in the year, David. Yeah, <laughs> mine as well. Just you can't so have excited. you can't have more fun than a new CBO budget forecast. Yeah, that's what I say. I think we should get a cake. That's a good idea. But Jen, explain why why this is important because this 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 comes out every year and it it gets updated in the summer. Um, but sort of sets the baseline for what to expect on spending and taxing, right? Yeah, this is the really big 10-year budget and economic outlook from the Congressional Budget Office, that nonpartisan office that when you see someone say how much a bill is going to cost, that usually comes from the Congressional Budget Office. They sort of score the bills. And so every January, typically, they come out with this 10-year outlook that says what they expect from taxes and spending throughout the next decade. And it also gives us a really big look at the deficit and the debt. And one of the things that we know is that fiscal 21, this year that's coming up, we're expected as a country to top a $1 trillion annual deficit for the first time um, in several years. And so- Well, we'll reach a $1 trillion deficit this fiscal year, actually, I think. And then, and then next year, it's going to be still slightly even more, and it's going to keep growing. Yes, the, the deficit is going to keep growing. Right. So that's going to be one thing to watch for. Right. So the, the forecast is already grim, and we have to see if in this new forecast, I guess, if it gets grimmer. Yeah, and I think we know it will because when they pass, when Congress passed that large, those two large packages of appropriations bills in December, I believe the CBO scored them at $444 billion over the 10-year window. Yeah, an, an extra $444 billion in extra deficit yes, yes. over the next 10 years, yes. which wasn't counted in the CBO's last forecast because it hadn't happened yet. So, so we that's already even, know. So we already know it's going to even be a greater deficit in all likelihood. Yes. Uh, it depends on revenues, too, and it depends what, what the CBO assumes in terms of economic growth, we should say. Yes. So it's not a clear-cut thing yet, but the chances are— The economic growth forecasts are usually what I look at first. Because Those are also a, very important. Yeah, yeah I have, we have a pretty good understanding of the spending trends right. and the deficit trends and the revenue trends. Um, and we do have a really good understanding of where economic growth is going to be, but I always that's usually where I go first. And we should say that CBO has been much more conservative in terms of economic growth than the Trump administration. Oh, they, absolutely. They're projecting much lower rates of growth overall on average than than the Trump people are forecasting, which which – in turn means less revenue than the Trump people are forecasting, yes. which means greater deficits. Yes. So all of that. Always uh, a good time. Yeah. A good time. That comes out Tuesday. And uh, we've got uh, House Budget Committee having a hearing on the CBO's forecast on Wednesday. So we'll get a good grounding in what they're facing uh, this week uh, as we await President Trump's new budget 
which comes out early next month. Yes, February 10th, as far as we know. Okay, so a lot to look forward to here. And that does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call. It's a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thanks again, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. You can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.